Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> it's the Benz Punani woman, it's baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. We sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. And I, I'm doing just fine. Getting along very well. Without meat in my life, I don't need meat in my life. Cause I am doing just, just fine. Veg made me stronger. Now that meat is out of my life. Woo! Wow. That really took some lungs. Um, I didn't know where I was going to breathe there. Thought maybe I'd pass out before the podcast even started. Um, the song is a complete lie because meat is definitely still in my life. Um, but, you know, I hope to be singing that song with conviction, with conviction one day. One day, meat will be out of my life. And if you're wondering where that song's from, it's Boys to Men doing just fine. One of my most favorite songs in the entire galaxy. Um, and I think it actually may be linked with the tarot reading today. So might just end up singing that again. Anyway, um, it is me, Kalechi, in the blood clot place to be. And welcome to another episode of SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right. Suck your mum. I don't know why people like to call this podcast Speak Your Mind, although I do understand because initially I was going to name it Speak Your Mind, but I think something else was already in that name. And um, unlike some people, (coughs) I don't go around trying to trademark or whatever other people's names. Uh, Wow, that shot. Take cover. (laughs) Sorry. just felt to get that off my chest that I have, unlike some. No, honestly, Kalechi, behave yourself. The podcast hasn't even started. Um, yeah, welcome to another week. Um, yeah, I don't know why people like to call the podcast Speak Your Mind because it's Say Your Mind and it's very, very clear that it's Say Your Mind. But I went on to GB News. I know, I know, I know, trashiest of trash, but they were discussing the decriminalization of um sex work. And I just thought, I know your platform will move waywardly with this subject as it is. And so I'm just going to come through and say what I need to say and look cute doing it. Um, and I know there were a couple of people that were like, oh my God, I can't believe you went onto that platform. And da, 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 da. I had to block one girl because you've been following me since 2017, 18, crying in my mentions because your white girlfriend touched your hair and you didn't know, or she compared your hair to a Brillo pad or whatever. And you're crying in my DMs and I'm controlling you. And then years later, I don't know why some of you get that grow wings later on. I don't know what kind of contaminated Red Bull you're drinking. You'll grow wings later on and start trying to come, come at me if you come at the queen you best not miss because I will drag you for filth and I think that people forget that wow anyway just needed to say that because yeah they're a wayward um 
their wayward platform but which platform isn't wayward is it not the um bielsa bielsa bubs uh, broadcasting corporation or whatever they call them that um bbc that just on the 6th of january this year of our lord 2021 moved mad with me prior to that they were saying nigga 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 and they refused to apologize for it like they've done so many wayward things like but is the bbc a legitimate platform what 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 constitutes as legitimacy if you're talking about something I want to talk about and coming through, and that is the fact of the matter, and everybody's going to get dragged if if need be. But otherwise, I'm going to come through looking cute and state the facts and keep it the fuck moving. So you have it archived on your platform that somebody at least told you the truth, whether you absorb it or not. That is your personal problem, but I'm going to keep saying what I need to say. And if I have enough vim and enough conviction to be able to do it in areas that you man can't, that sounds like a you problem, not a me problem. But um, yeah, I just needed to clear that up because as far as I'm concerned, all, all of these um, platforms, all of these channels, everybody's looking very, very dirty in my eyes. So yeah, I just, I, I don't have the time to be differentiating really because everybody is mad. I've said this from the beginning that everybody is mad, but I just implore you, like if you change your mind about me five years from now, four years from now, heck, if you change your mind about me next week, don't fucking message me with them because I will remind you, I will remind you of how you were a fan. Okay. So behave. Um, but yeah, anyway, let's get to the things that need to be got to because I really don't want to be recording this week. And it's always the weeks that I don't want to record that I have so much like just exuberance in my voice, so much vibrance. Um, but yeah, I don't want to be, I just, I know I need a break soon. So I'm going to look at where I can slide a break in and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that, you know, because I think it's necessary. But, you know, I feel, if you can tell from my voice, I sound way better than I did last year, uh, last week when I was in Rotterdam. Uh, so yeah, I'm just ready to keep things going. Um, and I hope you lot are okay. I hope that you're okay. I, I hope that as you're listening to this, I just want you to touch your, your, touch your chest, touch your heart space. And how does it feel in there? Because I hope it feels iry. I hope that you feel good. And if you don't, why not? you know, give to yourself what you need today. And I hope that this is part of how you give to yourself what you need today. But there's plenty of like things to cover, I guess. So let's see how quickly we can do that. Anyway, for the tarot this week, um, I just left myself open for the general message that we might need at this time and um, just ever ready to, um, you know, to put it out there, to channel it. The first card that came out is the seven of cups. And then we've got the three of swords. Then we've got the nine of wands. And then we've got the nine of swords in reverse. So for some of you, you've gone a real, on a real journey of heartbreak. Like um, the first card being the seven of cups upright tells me that, you know, and in this, I'm using the Afro goddess uh, tarot card uh, deck. And so we see a man, we see a wreath, we see um, a snake, we see some devil horns, we see crystals and we see pyramids. So um, she's working at the pyramids tonight. I don't even know how that's how Frank Ocean sang it, but that's how I remembered it. Anyway, um, so a lot of illusions, a lot of the ways that you thought your life was going to be, some ideas that you had about how your life was going to be is not how it turned out and it left you heartbroken and somewhere there it feels like there was some kind of um 
whether it's infidelity or something, but there was some kind of like heartbreak. Um, and for some, this may have just been like, even in terms of career wise or life wise, you just thought your life was going to pan out differently to what it is. And maybe you've um, had a birthday or you're going towards a birthday. That sounds so ominous. Like who isn't, who hasn't had a birthday or is about to have a birthday, but you get what I mean? Like you're coming up to some kind of like change in your life and you're like looking at everything thinking, right, this is not how I thought everything was going to turn out. And so that you feel a bit like heartbroken about that. But the thing is when the heart breaks, it opens, right? It opens and it allows for you to see what's in there and figure out what it is that you truly do want and to create more space for um, love and for fulfillment. I think some of my best breakthroughs have come through heartbreak. And while that might seem really um, challenging for us, um, now I'm just kind of like, what is the lesson in this, you know? And maybe the lesson is to just sit there and, and, and accept what is the reality and then move from there. And then we've got the nine of wands, um, here as well, which speaks about because of these things happening, you're putting better boundaries in place. You're putting better kind of structures in place for yourself. It feels very Saturnian, um, in terms of the planet Saturn, um, you're putting better structures in place. You're putting, um, yeah, for me, it looks like more boundaries in place for yourself. And it might be even body-wise in terms of who you partner with as well. You're just being very um, strategic about that. And literally, I'm looking at the nine of wands in the terms that for some of you, you're maybe having, um, um, you know, what is it called? A hotation? Is that what the girls are calling it? But basically, you're just living your life right now. You're just like, you know what? It is what it is. All of that's happened. And I just want to have a good time. And that's good, but you're doing it with structure, which is great. And it's helping you to feel more sensual, which is also great. Um, uh, so yeah, it's a culmination of things, really. The, the, the illusion has been shattered. Your heart felt like it shattered in the process, but you're putting yourself back together and you're putting structures in place that's going to serve you, whether you're working on your body, whether you're just working on, you know, in terms of like, um, your daily routines, but you're just thinking more about what you want and realizing that nobody's going to have you, um, except for you, like you've got you, you are the, you, you are the person that you can rely on and you're really owning that. And it's not making you feel so lonely anymore because we've got the nine of swords here in reverse. Like you're not feeling that shame. You're not feeling that sort of like, um, deep, deep angst and sadness that you were feeling before. For some of you, it was like a real deep depression because of everything that happened. Um, and you're finding your way out. You're finding your way out of it. And that's, and that's really, really good. Um, I'm getting another message through that if it was the fact that all of this has happened, some of you are now being extremely like diligent with people because you're just still maybe healing inside. And there's a part of you that's still deeply wounded, but you're keeping that because of the boundaries of the nine of wands that you're putting in place you're just trying to check everybody at the door basically because you're, you don't want even more pain and that's okay too, you know, but just again, I think I gave this message a while ago. So this might be a recurring message for some of you. Not everybody's coming into your life, um, is um, going to hurt you. And so to treat them the way that the people who have hurt you to treat them in the same way, is a bit, you know, it's a bit, leave it, you know, like look at the people as they are, 
look at the opportunities as they are. Yeah. Like sometimes some opportunities, even whether creative or otherwise might look similar, but people might just move differently. It's up to you to do like the due diligence of checking like, um, what are the signs, but don't be finding red flags where there are none. Okay. Just make sure that there aren't blood in your eye. There isn't blood in your eyes. And that's why you're seeing every flag as red, right? When they're actually white. I won't give up in this shit. I won't put my hands up and surrender. Woo! There will be no white flags above my door. I'll fuck you up if you try me. I don't know how, if whether Dido meant for that to be the remix of her song, but that's what came into my heart to share with the people. And I'll take it, ancestors. Thank you. But um, yeah, it's just not being so combative in in certain situations and and really taking that imagery in. Like, not every flag is actually red. Um, and that's not to gaslight you. Like, you go, you know, feel what you're feeling, but try to differentiate where you're feeling from past hurt and where you're feeling from being in this present space, in this open space. Um, because sometimes we all work from triggers and then later on we're like, rah, I did actually move a bit mad. Um, and it's about owning that and 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 learning from it and moving forward from there. Um, the card that we got from the Black Angel deck of cards is the Warrior card. And for the Warrior, it says here, your soul is as a spiritual warrior. Your work at integrating body, mind and spirit as you need the congruency between what you feel, think and do. Your focus and attention are usually on what is good for you, as you know this is best. You experience spirit through your physical life. Spirit is not out there somewhere for you. So you attend to and accomplish many physical manifestations. You have great presence and some may bend towards you because of it or bend away from your force. You live by the camaraderie codes of integrity and loyalty. Friends are important to you and you look for them to join you in life. You are the warrior soul clan that needs balance between the various aspects of your life. You are aware and enjoy the many facets of yourself. In fact, you have a strong ability to bring forth the necessary inner qualities needed for every situation in your life. You have been initiated by your past struggles, seven of cups, um, which prepare, which have prepared you for whatever may come your way. Your gaze is still and sure, nine of wands. You are a warrior for your own soul. On the waking path, you are attuned to yourself when your life is in turmoil. When a warrior enters the sleeping path, the attunement dwindles. You may not be aware of your actions when circumstances overwhelm you. It becomes difficult to access the concentration of your various personas. In this state, your camaraderie with others can become distorted and you are manipulated into doing battles for others while neglecting your own life. The internal fragmentation can cause you to move from job to job or relationship to relationship, feeling dissatisfied and disappointed. Confusion arises and sets in, keeping you from making needed changes in your life. In fragmentation, you may take on wearing various masks to survive. If you stay on the sleeping path, it becomes difficult to call on your concentrated warrior self. 
You may find your energy going towards battling different parts of yourself. This battle becomes an internal struggle between mind, body and spirit. You may have a feeling of being dishonest or pretending to be who you are not. To bring back harmony, tranquility and protection, embrace the unacceptable aspects of who you are along with the acceptable ones. This does not mean necessarily that you love what's unacceptable, but rather that you attend to your whole self. In essence, bringing the warrior forward is to bring a strength that is built on your whole being, all of who you are. Watch your habits of caretaking and putting yourself in positions in which you can be manipulated to care for someone who is very capable of taking care of their own life. Stagnation is deadly to you. Lift the, um, lift the veil and take a look at all the relationships in which there is no movement. Find creative ways to move stale and smelly waters. War, uh, warrior, you have fought battles for everyone and attended their woes. Now it is time for you to do the same for yourself. Bring your life home. Shelter it. Stay in your life and be prepared for your own storms that are sure to come. And that is just beautiful, I think, because we all have our own things. And being kind of um, bought, buying into this illusion of like going to do everything and chasing somebody else's dreams. Like how many people are chasing their parents' dreams or your partner's dreams or whatever? Like, what do you want? What do you want for yourself? Because otherwise you're just going to be heartbroken and unfulfilled all the time because everybody else's sword, everybody else's ideas is what's going into your heart. And you're thinking that those are the things that you need to manifest. And um, you're going out there trying to do all of these things and put structures into the into place that are actually locking you in nine of swords in reverse. Um, because we've, you know, it's interesting that we've got nine of ones and we've got nine of swords. So the same kind of way that the swords um, enclose the um, protagonist is the same way that we've got them in the ones as well, but they speak about very very different things so it's about having the autonomy really um, living and um, standing firm in your autonomy because at the bottom of the deck we've got the two of wands in um, no two of wands upright you're birthing a new world like you're literally sitting on top of the world like there's so much for you to accomplish out there and to enjoy and to explore out there don't limit yourself because you're trying to fulfill other people's dreams or you're holding on to the, uh, the dreams that didn't manifest the way that you had hoped but trust that the dream like you are part of God's dream right now and you are the you are the best part of the dream so trust that this will work in your favor and these changes however tempestuous or tumultuous they may appear um you are still going to see the best parts of this dream um yeah I was I was thinking of about it's only a paper moon um something about a cardboard sea um it's only make-believe if you believe in me or whatever but you know the things you know the things anyway that's the tarot for this week i pray that it resonates with you i'm gonna pick up this week's show sponsor who are um who is linked in or who are linked in and um then we'll move to share your magnificence Today, many small business owners are busier than ever. Tell me about it. I know that's right. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing a business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get to the candidates worth interviewing faster and it's free. Um, we've been interviewing people lately. I find it really difficult to tell people no. So I need to know from the beginning stages whether it's right or not before interview, um, like before asking them to come for an interview. And I guess that's why um, um, a site like LinkedIn Jobs can really, really help you with that. You can create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs um, to reach your network. 
and beyond to the world's largest professional network with over 30 million people in the UK. Focus on candidates with the skills and experience that you need. Use screening questions to get your role in front of um, only the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. So LinkedIn jobs helps you to find the candidates worth interviewing faster and you can post the job for free. Just visit linkedin.com slash straws. Again, that's linkedin.com slash straws to post the job for free and go and get your little hiring life. <laughs> no, a little sounds like really wild. No, just your hiring life. <laughs> just your hiring life. Your little life. Go get your little life. No, go and get your hiring life. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, let's get on to share your magnificence. So the first um share your magnificence we've got for this week is a voice note. I'm loving all your voice notes that come in, and I'm sorry if I don't get to play them when they're relevant, because I'm going through this inbox like yo do I need an extra PA upon the PA that I have? Cause you know, she's already got so much to deal with. Maybe I just need someone to like go through my show notes. Do I need a producer? I mean, I've got Brent, but Brent just helps me with like editing and bits like that. Um, but I don't know. And don't offer yourself, please, please, please don't offer yourself. It's fine. Don't people offer themselves and can't do the job at all and actually make my life more complicated. So I'm good. Thank you so much. Um, so anyway, let's go to, um, this voice note for share your magnificence. And it's very beautiful. Hi, Kalechi. How are you? How's the lab doing? And um, I don't, we don't actually know your husband's name, but I feel like, you know, he's my friend because you always talk about him and I just love his energy. So how is Papa Lev? Because, you know, he really is the real MVP. Um, just a quick one, just a quick one. I don't know if this is a quick one, but let's see if I can be succinct in what I'm trying to say. Um, this is a, uh, this is a share your magnificence for myself, for me, because why not? Um, I applied for a role within the company and let me tell you what, applying for internal jobs is actually more nerve wracking than applying for external jobs. So I found out that they were, so my manager basically is leaving or is changing roles, I should say. And they had shortlisted some candidates and were going to interview on Wednesday, um, the 25th of August. And on, uh, sorry guys, I'm trying to be so succinct and I'm really not. And on Tuesday, the 17th of August, my manager was like, oh yeah, they've already shortlisted, but you know, this is the new role that has been made and this is something you said you wanted to do. So speak to our head of department and apply and I was like okay cool you know I'm like I in my head I was thinking yeah I wanted a promotion but I wanted it at the end of the year right so I applied because I thought I've got nothing to lose from it I spoke to my manager he was really encouraging he's always you know I'm sharing my share my magnificent with my manager because he's just the absolute best I cannot lie to you um so yeah, he, um, his name is Jonathan, by the way. Um, so spoke to our head of department, and she was like, "Yeah, you know, just apply, think about it. What do you bring? What can you bring to the company? What have, what skills have you got? This, that, and the other." And I'm like, "I'm looking at this job spec. Like, what skills do I have? Oh my god, what am I going to do? What am I going to do?" Anyways, I applied, had the interview, left the 
interview, posted on my Snapchat and said, oh, I really flopped this interview. But, you know, there's always opportunities next time. About 20 minutes, half an hour later, I got a call to say I got the interview. So now you are looking at your girl, your baby girl, is the IT and comms manager of her company. Come on. How fucking awesome is that? Come on. Congratulations and pum pum No, that's not how the song goes. But two slaps on your chest. That is fucking amazing. And big up yourself, Jonathan, for not being an enemy of progress. You saw a baby girl was baby girling and you were like, rah, I see the greatness in you. You definitely should apply for this role. Imagine if we lived in a world where people saw your potential and was like, yes, go for it. I want you to do this thing. Go for it. As opposed to people who try to deny the greatness, try to deny the light that's in you. So also two slaps on Jonathan's chest for really recognizing that a baby girl has skills and big up yourself, baby girl for now. Come on, IT and comms manager, come through, come through. I loved it. I just, I loved listening to that. I just loved it. I just loved hearing almost the surprise in your voice about the fact that like, this is you, like, are you that? Like, yeah, that is like you, that is, it's you that did that. Like, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Really, really happy for you. And I'm, I pray that the role um, brings more opportunities for you and you just continue to go higher, 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 baby girl, higher, 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 baby girl, higher. Wow. Another song, another banger. Grammys, I'm not even playing anymore. 5th of October, if I don't see my award or see my trophy come through my letterbox, don't know how it's going to fit through my letterbox. If I don't see it, we're going to have problems. Same with the key for my G-Wagon. We're going to have problems, but it is what it is. I know I'm not getting that G-Wagon on my birthday unless some kind of random person has been like listening and they're like, wow, I've got links to Mercedes. You're going to get your things, but unlikely, but you know, we, we just have to keep putting it out there, innit? You can't even say, you know, you know it's not going to happen. You just have to keep putting it out there. Be audacious, but big up yourself, baby girl, um, for doing all of the things. And then we've got another letter. Me thinks I saw another letter that I, uh, thought I could read uh today I need to clear out I I know I keep saying this but I need to clear out this inbox it's an actual mess I'm a mess right no I'm not singing another Anthony Hamilton song because I already sang that last week anyway um it says here hi Kalechi it was amazing to see you get all the things during the Dutch Grand Prix um sometimes I read Dutch Grand Prix I read Grand Grand Prix and I read it as Grand Prix but sometimes it's full of grand pricks. So anyway, thanks to you. Um, I finally know of F1 drivers outside of Lewis Hamilton and Michael Schumacher. Well, thank you. Speaking of Michaels, I want to nominate Michael K. Williams for Share Your Magnificence. Whatever I saw him in always had a lasting impact. Most recently, as Montrose in Lovecraft Country, he was amazing in that. It was a relief to see a dark-skinned black man in nuanced roles that challenged masculinity. While I know men shouldn't be applauded for not being homophobic, it's fair to say the industry would be a much safer place if everyone approached their craft the same way he did. I'm including one of my favourite interviews of his below. It shows the clear love for what he did and the excitement he held for the future, something that only made the news more shocking. He's the true definition of a baby boy, one you would have done a sick interview with if given the chance. I'm glad he's at peace and I look forward to digging deeper into his work. Um, Yes, like R.I.P. 
um, R.I.P. Rest in peace, Michael K. Williams. Like, just an actor. Do you get me? Like, I was just looking at the body of his body of work over the past week or so, and I just thought to myself, like, um, basically, like Portia said there, uh, big up yourself, Portia. I see you doing all the acting things. Two slaps on your chest, um, and two slaps on the chest of Michael K. Williams. Because let me tell you, let me tell you, I cannot hear a whistle and not think Omar's coming. He was phenomenal in The Wire. I actually genuinely feel so sad for people who can't get into The Wire because I feel like it's one of those cultural things, cultural moments that like it's referenced so often that if you don't know what that is being referenced, you completely miss it. The Wire was incredible. And I know that some people are like, oh, I didn't like season two or whatever, whatever. I loved all of the seasons because it just showed how all these industries are interconnected and people see, for instance, drugs and whatever as this isolated, for instance, black issue, not thinking about the wider context and how the politicians, everybody's involved and how the media support them in, in, in creating these straw men and all of these things like, nah, I'm, the wire was a vibe, a vibe. Oh, I loved it so much. I, I've, I, I think it's one of those shows. I'm one of those people that I can really, really enjoy a show and never watch it again. I can say that was one of the best shows I've ever watched ever and never watch it again and not feel any way about it. But The Wire, I think I've, I think the last time I checked, I've watched everything from, from season one to what is it? Season five or whatever. I've watched everything, um, maybe five, six times. I've watched the entire season, all the seasons over and over and over again, because I just loved it. I just loved it. And, um, the sicko in me will always love Chris Partlow. Can't tell me nothing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. But Lovecraft Country, like, Michael K. Williams really, really pushed it there. And I love that. All of these characters, um, managed to maintain this level of quote-unquote masculinity that a lot of these, um, I guess, really hetero-focused guys really ascribe to. But then we see that he's then in relationship with men. We saw it with, um, you know, Omar in The Wire. We saw it in Lovecraft Country too. Like there's so many, the ways that, the way that he played characters as a black man, as a dark-skinned black man, unrivaled, like he's just, he was just in a league of his own and there was a vulnerability he brought to everything that I just thought was so gorgeous, so gorgeous. And so rest in peace, you beautiful, beautiful soul. Um, and so the last one for Share Your Magnificence this week, I, I've done an interview with the incredible, as you would have seen in the title of this podcast, the um, incredible Alicia Garza, who is one third of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, how could this podcast have been going, 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 going? And we talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. We talk about all of the things happening in the world and not having spoken to one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. But at the same time, I feel like that is go, goes a long way to what other people have done. Like even some of the ma- major legitimate news channels that you were harping on about, you stupid Jankro. Um, have they managed to interview the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement? No. Yet here I am, a baby girl looking cute, being just, you know, rowdy, doing her thing. And I've done that. So sometimes let's all know our place. Let's all know ourselves. Yeah. Because when you forget yourself is when you're reminded rudely. Um, but yeah, it was an, it was an honor to interview Alicia Garza. 
um, to speak to somebody who, I, I, you know, there's a sense that I get from even reading from what I've read so far in The Power of Purpose, which is her new book, this sense that like you create something that becomes bigger than you. I would love to know what their birth chart looks like and the synastry of their birth charts as, um, you know, the three people that put this together. I would love to kind of, you know, know what that looks like. But um, yeah, it was, it was really, really an honor to speak with her and to kind of see like the realities of everything. Because I think like everybody talks about it and they are under a lot of scrutiny, um, as, as activists, um, as activists, they're under, yeah, they're under a lot of scrutiny. And I just think that there has to be space. I think that there has to be space held for the fact that Alicia, that like everybody started this, they started this thinking like, rah, we just want to do something. We see what's happening. We saw what happened with Trayvon Martin for is absolutely wild and we want to speak up about this. And she said like herself that she's been speaking about these things forever. Like she's been speaking about all of these things forever. And, um, she grew up within activism. She grew up within organizing. And so when Black Lives Matter like took off, um, you know, it existed before the hashtag, but the hashtag really, really took off and almost snowballed and beyond what any of them could have imagined. It was trying to kind of keep their sense of self while seeing that they've done something that has impacted the entire fucking globe. So, you know, if I haven't before, which I don't know if I actually have, like it's the two slaps on the chest of like Alicia Garza, Patrice Cullors and Opal Tometi, like, like you, you, people can run their critiques in it. Everybody's got criticisms. Everybody can come and talk about how this could have been different. And they suspect them of this and suspect them of that. But fam, I've never led a global movement. I've never fucking as a black woman led a fucking global movement, uh, except for baby girls, baby boys, and baby non-binaries. Our, our movement of being baby people, I've led that. But you know, if we're talking about like the Black Lives Matter movement, rah, that is a whole different ball game. And so regardless of whatever critiques that people have for them, I am just honoured to actually be able to speak to people who were at the helm of like doing all of this. So anyway, without me like, um, you know, chatting away for ages, here is the interview with Alicia Garza, um, one of the founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. I hope you enjoy. Oh, thank you, Alicia, for um, just being wonderful and um, being on the podcast with me today. I think in the in the premise or on the premise of the things that I talk about on this show, I couldn't think of somebody who um, I'd be more honoured to speak to um, or the kind of person I'd be more honoured to speak to than yourself. Like you've really been out here. You were out here before, you know, you were organising before the Black Lives Matter movement, but that was really, you know, a quintessential moment in the trajectory of all of our histories. So I'm just thankful that you exist and that you've been doing the things that you do. So um, congratulations on your book, The, um, the Purpose of Power, the purpose of power. And I know that you cover it in the book, but succinctly, what would you say the purpose of power truly is? Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. It's really lovely to be here with you. And thank you for everybody who's listening, who supported the book. It's really a gift for us. Um, this is the book that I really wanted when I first started organizing. 
It's the book that I wish I had had as a compass and as a roadmap and as a guide to help me make sense of what it means to be a change maker and what my role is in change. When I first started organizing, <clears throat> there weren't really books like this that contextualized the um, political terrain that we're in, why politics are the way they are. There wasn't a book that um, offered lessons about how to do the things that we know are necessary to make change. And there wasn't a book that validated um, the things that we don't talk about, the ways in which people who are trying to make change are still imperfect in making that change. And so, you know, we don't talk that much about the homophobia or the sexism that still exists in our movements. And I wanted to have this book be the start of a much bigger conversation about how we make change and who we can be in it and why it's necessary for us to do this work right now. So I hope that people who are listening are reading it, are getting that from this book. And um, I look forward to hearing your feedback about it as well. Yes, I, and I think that that is it. I think that in the, from what I'm getting from you as well, is that the idea that there is responsibility in power, you know, like, you know, the purpose of it is that we have great responsibility. We have great care for the power that we are, you know, that we we are given or that we embody, because I think that we all come with power into this physical experience. We come with power. Um, and so, yeah, there's a responsibility to move with that with love. But you really spoke to me through, I haven't finished the book, but the, um, from how far I've gotten in the book, you really, really spoke to me because I feel like I'm in that space, in that space of where you're personable, you have views on these things, you want change, and you're straddling this sort of space where corporations want you, these people want you, they want you to come this way, but you're just like, but I care about this thing. Meanwhile, if you go and do those things, everyone's like, oh, but I don't trust you now because you've gone to do that. So it's finding where you can exist in this kind of flawed, complex, chaotic um, sort of existence, but you keep going out of love. So from that notion of love, what does love mean to you? And what does love mean to you in, um, in the context of movement in the context of um, uprisings, in the context of revolution? Mm -hmm. You know, this is such a beautiful question and I definitely wrap all of the things that I do around love. There's no way that I could keep doing this work, which is challenging on a bunch of levels. Um, there's no kind of right answers on a bunch of levels. And so you do really have to be guided by something else than being right or <clears throat> fixing everything, right? It's, it's really got to be guided by the possibility of connection and relationship and um, the possibility of transformation. I mean, anybody who's been in a relationship knows that there are so many um, peaks and valleys, right? But what gets you through it um, is, is your commitment to love and to loving one another, each other, yourself. And I think it applies to movements as well. You know, I feel very strongly that what has to guide us every single day is not rage or anger, um, but love. Love is the place where we can innovate. Love is the place where we ideate. Love is the place where we stretch and we be vulnerable for the sake of 
what's possible on the other side. That doesn't mean that anger or grief or rage is wrong. It's actually right and it's to be expected. What I'm saying here is that rage and anger, it's combustible and it will eat you and it will eat the, the things that you're trying to grow. And so in a lot of ways, love for each other, ourselves, and the possibility of a different future um, is what can carry us forward over the long haul. So um, I always really enjoy when I get to talk about the role of love in movements, because I think when people see expressions of movements like protests, they see anger. And I always say, well, that's one way to look at it. But you could also look at, for example, what happened this past summer. Um, we're in the middle of a global pandemic and the love for the possibility of what the future could hold is what drove people all over the world out of their homes and into the streets. And so now that we are in this phase of movement where we are being called on to build something new, um, it uh, really needs to be grounded in what's possible. It needs to be grounded in how we don't leave anybody behind. And that in and of itself is a great expression of love. Thank you. Uh, you said all of the things. I was like, yes, yes, I'm going to read the book seven times. Because, um, you know, there's so much in there. Each chapter, you it, it's so comprehensive. So I really feel it when you say, like, you wanted to write the kind of book that you would have wanted. You know, like Toni Morrison says, like, if, you know, there's a book that you want to read that hasn't been written yet, you've got to write it. And I feel that's like right. that's the same um, thing for the book that you've put forward. But also if the world that you want to see doesn't exist yet you have to be the one to create it so we know that um love is the kind of um pinnacle almost of this but also it's the core of everything that keeps us going it's our fuel source in order to be able to resist and order to um progress but then where does anger where does anger sit for you in in the midst of all of this where does anger have its place in it because we still do need it you know as an energy system as something but where does that sit for you Anger is important. <clears throat> it's such a human response to things that are unjust, to things that um, are dangerous for us, things that are threats. And, um, you know, anger, I think, uh, gets racialized. It gets gendered in a whole bunch of ways. And really, anger is just an emotion. It's a response to um, some kind of stimulus or some kind of trauma. And it's usually some kind of trauma. The challenge here is anger can also be generative, right? And um, for a lot of people, how they come into movement, how they come into going from a passive observer who is looking at something and saying, oh yeah, that needs to change and somebody should do it, to somebody who says, I have a role, I wanna play a role in making that change. A lot of times anger can be that bridge right? Anger is, can be something that gets people to take action. One of the challenges here, though, is that um, while anger is necessary, it's, I, I think it's not sustainable. Now, to be clear, I think I've probably been angry since I was eight years old, <laughs> right? Like, I've been mad about Ooh. patriarchy. I've been mad about racism. I've been mad about classes. I'm, I'm mad about everything. However, um, I also want to be in this work for the long haul. And sometimes I think, and I talk about this in the book, that sometimes anger can um, shield us from a vision of what's possible 
because we're really grounding in um, how we respond and react as opposed to how and what we're building. Um, and for me, channeling anger into love means that I get to invest in the things that I want and not just the things that I don't want. Both are important. I don't believe in, um, you know, binaries that, you know, say one thing is better than the other. It's not. Yes. It's just that everything has its rightful place inside of a broader strategy for change. We can channel anger. The challenge is, can you transform it? And what are you transforming it into? Yes, uh, you are talking all of the things because that is like my premise. Everybody knows that I love anger. I see anger as a transformative energy. In fact, that's what I want to write about. I I'm focusing on writing about how anger can be a liberating force or a liberating energy um, for Black women specifically, um, you know, but it's an anger that moves. It can't be an anger that calcifies and does not allow us to go anywhere else. Like we, the anger wouldn't have, if I didn't have the anger, if I didn't feel the anger, I would not have opened my studio, my like dance studio. I wouldn't have been started the podcast. I know that what anger can propel you into, but if love is not the thing that you are going into it for, then as you say, that anger is going to burn you. It's going to burn everybody else around you. So you have to care. Um, so my final question for you is about the world that you do see, because what I love about your book as I'm reading it, is that there's the undeniable hope. You give us the history. You don't play about with the history. You're like, blam, 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 blam. This is how we got here. This is where I come from in all of this. And we don't usually get to see behind the scenes. We don't get to see that, well, actually, my mother was one of the first people that I saw being a change maker. And then here, here I am. You know, so you give us something that often we're not allowed to have as black women in public spaces, vulnerability, you know, mm. nuance. And mm. you give us all of that because you're banking on us. You're investing in us as the reader, as the community, the global community to imagine this world with you. So with that in mind, what is the world that you imagine for us collectively? Mm. You know, I imagine a world where we all get to be three-dimensional human beings and we get to live multi-dimensional lives. And for me, that means dignity in every you know, I, I always think about this because I could, of course, have said like world peace or, you know, ending hunger. And of course, we want all those things. Those are yes. all rooted in dignity. Um, <clears throat> but there's also another piece in here, which is um, how we deal with grief and rage and pain. You know, I knew someone uh, years ago who uh, was about six, five, and he was a black man. And he said that he had developed um, back problems from hunching and shrinking because he knew that when he was out in the world, his height, his skin color, his gender, right? That he was considered a threat. And so he spent years trying to collapse himself. And that actually manifested in his body. I want a world where we can all stand tall, where we can mm. throw our shoulders back, where mm. we can actually share our hearts with one another, and where we use that sharing to create the world that we deserve. Um, and I really do believe that it's possible. I, I, you know, I have no illusions about the barriers or the challenges that we face 
But what I also know is that everything that we're grappling with right now is made by humans, which means it can be undone by humans. And that is something that spurs me and motivates me every day to be that change maker and to take our rightful place in history. And I hope that for people who are reading this book, that it inspires you in that way and many more ways as well. Thank you. That was just the perfect ending. Thank you so much, Alicia. Thank you for blessing us with this. Thank you for um, being such a warrior with your heart and, and putting yourself out there in the world. And with all of your nuances, with all of your beauty, I appreciate you. And thank you for speaking with me today. Thank you. I appreciate you. <laughs> this was lovely. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. Um, Alicia Garza's book, The Power of Purpose, is out now um, in the UK. It's out now in hardback, I believe. And, um, you know, get involved. Get involved. It's it's great to kind of... I like what I've read so far because it, we're, just, we're seeing the person, seeing the person in the midst of the movement, right? And I think that oftentimes we don't get to hear from the people themselves, like all of these people that we've seen in terms of civil rights throughout um, history they get to write a portion of their own lives and then it gets told by everybody else after they're brutally taken out, God forbid, you know? And so it's beautiful to be able to see like um, black women who have been organizing, tell their own stories from, you know, from their own perspective and how it started from childhood and how they are where they are now. Um, And talk about love and talk about anger and all the ways that, you know, anger manifests. And, And it's interesting to me how Alicia was talking about how she sees anger and it not being sort of like the focal point for what they're doing and love being that. But for me, I feel like they're intertwined. So it was just nice to kind of have that back and forth and have that conversation. And primarily, like I said, have black women tell their own stories about how they've organized because we hear about Malcolm X. We hear about Martin Luther King. And yes, yes, you know, we do hear from Angela Davis. Um, we do hear from, um, you know, um, Asasa Shakur. We, we do hear from, you know, various other like women activists, but I, I, the tenderness, I really enjoy reading about the tenderness of, of all of this. So yeah, just really, really wonderful to have that conversation. So going from that, all of that wonder, um, to some uh, fuckery, um, Met Gala, I found the Met Gala really, really underwhelming. Um, I just feel like energetically people aren't in that space right now of like make believe of, um, escapism especially when we're talking about the protests and everything that were happening right outside and India Moore um put up a really really interesting post because they were invited to the Met Gala and they looked wonderful uh, but they were saying that you know they felt conflicted about the fact that they're there um very happy to be um, invited and dressed up and all of this but knowing that the people that they um I guess, feel more affinity with are outside being dragged up and down the street um, for protesting something such as this. And meanwhile, you've got like um, Cara Delvin or whatever, her name is Delvin or whatever, in there wearing what looks like a bulletproof vest, white vest that says peg the patriarchy. And I just, when people start saying things like that, like using things that people enjoy um, sexually, for instance, and, and using it to kind of talk in a pejorative way about the patriarchy I just think like you've missed the point and then you've got um what's her name um Cortez Alice um she was there with um a dress on that says to um, eat the rich or whatever 
And I just thought, again, or is it tax the rich? It, it all just felt very performative. And it's like, oh yeah, but you know, you wear it in spaces like this because you're protesting being there. And while I understand that, like you have to understand that a lot of these people are drugged out of their minds. Like they don't, they're not taking in what you're wearing. They don't give a shit. They're happy with their money. They don't feel any empathy. And so your outfit to them is just like, yeah, girl, whatever. Um, yeah. So I just felt, I just found the whole thing rather underwhelming, but I did hear that like, Lewis Hamilton paid 30k for a table and um he had at his table I saw that Shikari Richardson which was there which is very interesting because she's come under a lot of like um flack for um some of the things that she was tweeting and stuff and people aren't finding her very likable um but it was nice that he kind of maybe ignored that and still had her at the table because I think that sometimes you need to do that you know regardless of how other people might personally feel about her it's just like yeah well you know we've arranged this thing and she's there and I'm gonna hold her hand while she walks down the stairs in this outfit and somebody said that somebody um that she got paired with a Jamaican designer who dressed her like a jankro and I and I have to admit that I did scrum I, I couldn't even scream I scrummed um but yeah that was just um petty banter but overall, I thought I thought she looked pretty. I thought she looked pretty. I thought Kalani looked gorgeous. Um, and it was nice that, you know, he paid 30k for the table um and invited black designers to join him. And the fact that, you know, we can't shy away from the fact one of the critiques that I get or criticisms that I get often when I speak about, or from time to time, not often at all. When I speak about um, Lewis Hamilton's people like, yeah, but remember that time he said such and such to his nephew and rah, 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 rah. And I don't know him personally, so I can't vouch for how he's changed or whatever. But I think that doing something like what he did at the Met Gala with his choice of um, ensemble and the um, designers that he had with him, I think that people sometimes feel better speaking through their actions, that they can tell you they're sorry all that they want. Even at the time, they're like, yeah, but he was liking tweets from people who were saying he had nothing to be sorry for. And while that may have been a silly move, I think that over time you grow and you see things from a different perspective. I'm not his publicist. I don't know why I'm putting out this statement on his behalf. But um, you start to see things from a different perspective. And the best thing that you can do is just show through your actions that you're trying to be better. And, you know, there are always lots of things for us all to work at. And I just think that the energy that people spend saying what other people have done and da 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 could be focused on making sure that the wig at the front of your head is properly laid down, for instance, or making sure that your beard is connecting in the way that it should, or making sure that you've cleaned the earwax out of your ear, because sometimes some of you is dripping out and you're really going to these events looking like that. Um, but yeah, uh, I just, I thought that that was cool. Um, some of the copy around it in terms of the copy that was written around it, like, oh, this is how you put, um, give people a seat at the table. While I know that it was in good, um, faith and i still think that the problem is the fact that people have who who is choosing who gets to see um, a seat at the table and things like that i still have a problem with the seat and the table i have an issue with it can't really articulate it right now but for now i appreciate greatly that that was um something that he wanted to do and kind of shift conversation without being overtly like oh look at me well literally it was look at me it was the fucking met gala but um yeah, I just think that there's something happening there and um, kudos to everybody involved. Um, it was it was cute. Um, my favourite outfit had to be Iman's. Iman literally looked like the sun. She literally looked like the sun. Um, Rihanna and her, um, and the person that accompanied her, I don't really know what to say about that, but I did like Rihanna's hat. 
I did like the hat with the diamante, that kind of mix of like urban with like 20 sort of like, I don't know, sort of an art deco vibe. I love that. That looked sick, but, um, I don't know about anything else. Um, yeah, some of the, oh, and I loved Yara Shahidi's outfit. She looked really, really pretty. She always looks really, really pretty. I think that working with Jason Bolden is a, he's a great stylist and he works really, really well with her. Um, so they, yeah, it looked really cute. Um, what other outfits come to mind? I thought that Kiki Palmer did a great job. Um, she's just funny. I think what I like about Kiki Palmer is that she's funny without trying. Like she's funny because of what she thinks naturally. So that was kind of hilarious to see. Um, Sierra's outfit was really something. Um, yeah, I just thought like, again, the men could have done a lot better. The men could have done a lot better or like, come on, uh, you lot are also at the table. Can you do something? Uh, Just do something. Um, but yeah, that's all I thought. But obviously as the Met Gala was happening, um, with all of its, um, pomp and circumstance we also had um another uh show happening on twitter and that was hosted by the nikki onika tanya mirage nikki minaj um mickey mickey minaj mickey spinach um that was something so nikki tweeted while everything was happening nikki said they want you to get vaccinated for the met if I get vaccinated, it won't be for the Met. It'll be once I feel I've done enough research. I'm working on that now. In the meantime, my loves, be safe. Wear the mask with two strings that grips your head and your face. Not that loose one. She didn't write that bit. I'm just adding that bit in. So she said that, you know, they wanted her to be vaccinated for the Met because, you know, sometimes you're watching these events happening and you're like, how is everybody walking around unmasked, rare, rare, rare? But to them, it's just like, well, if absolutely every fucking body is vaccinated, double vax, then we can do this. And that's what they've done. But she um, says here that they wanted everyone to get vaccinated for the Met, but she wants to do a bit more research first. Okay. Um, And so she didn't. And, um, she then went on to say that, um, I think what really kind of, what really fucked everything, what really fucked everything off was when she then said, oh, well, you know, my cousin has a friend who got vaccinated and then, um, his balls became swollen, his testicles became swollen and his, um, his wedding got called off and, yeah, it was just like, that's not from the vaccine, babe. He was probably fucking out on his fiance, as some of you were, especially the night before your traditional weddings. Um, And, you know, it didn't end well for him. Maybe that's why, but you really came out here and told everybody that that is... um. Yeah, that's 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 wild. So obviously that got everybody riled up and every newspaper started running this story and they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, Nikki, what are you talking about? That's not um, what the vaccine does to you. And yeah, it was it was just a mess. And she was just basically like, oh, they're lying on me. She said, three lies in a row from huge news platforms. I cited my young child as why I didn't want to travel. But notice how none of them mentioned that. Ask yourself why that was. 
And then USA Today says Nicki Minaj says she refused to get vaccinated for Met Gala. Fans respond with research. That's literally true. You said that you refused to get vaccinated for the Met Gala. You just said that you didn't. Yahoo News said Nicki Minaj says she's skipping the Met Gala over its vaccine requirement. You are skipping the Met Gala and you said that this was their vaccine requirement. So that's also true. The Daily Beast said Nicki Minaj won't get vaxxed, says she's worried about swollen testicles. And while that is a wild statement, you did say that, you know, that happened with the swollen testicles and you're not really feeling it. So, um, yeah, it was just a lot. And the thing is, she was like, I'm going to do my research first. And I always find it interesting when people do say that, oh, I'm going to go and do my research because I'm just like, what? research are you doing because the research that you've done so far had somebody lie to you that the reason that their wedding got called off is because they're swollen balls and because of um the vaccine so i don't know if we should be going with that you know the tweet basically said verbatim my cousin in trinidad won't get vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen, y'all. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. Now it's the way that that was phrased. I think that got people riled up because it's just like, you're comfortable with your position and not bullied. But at the same time, I get it. And I know that this is from sometimes where people really struggle with me because I see why people are vexed with her tweets. I see it. And I'm talking about, I'm talking to somebody that's actually been vaccinated. I see why people were vexed with her tweet. But at the same time, she wanted to write what she wanted to write. My issue came, became when people like Piers Morgan and fucking um, Laura Koonsberg or whatever her fucking name is, started like weighing in on the, on the situation and talking about, oh, really making a mockery of her. I just felt like it was going into the realms of um, um, misogynoir and anti-blackness, the way that people were mocking her. And I clocked that very quickly. It's literally then the next day that everyone's like, oh, I think that people are moving a bit mad towards Nikki. And I thought, you think? You think. Like black women, this is what I was saying last week, like black women aren't even afforded the space to be ridiculous and stupid because a lot of what she did say was, it was veering into the realm of, babe, that's a little bit silly. That's a bit wild, but they're not even afforded that. And everyone's running with the story. Everyone's running with the story. Now, there are some people that have um, reason to believe that there was an ulterior mo- motive to her kicking up all of this fuss because literally a couple of days ago, we're now seeing that she and her husband, um, that guy, something petty or whatever his name is, what a terrible name. Um, they've now been served um, regarding the whole ongoing issue with the um, wo- woman who he um, was convicted of um, assaulting um, when she was younger. Um, and that's the reason that he ended up on the sex offenders list. And, um, they have reason to believe that like, well, through the court documents that we've seen that Nikki, um, and her husband have been allegedly like, um, harassing this woman, trying to get her to recant her statement as to the assault. And, um, that way then he would be taken off the register. I think that's the hope. And so he can travel around with her because at the moment they can't travel to many places or he has to register, you know, um, in each state that he lives in, um, which he failed to do one time or something. It's all very confusing for me. I'm not even going to pretend like I understand the ins and outs of all of it. And I have to be honest and say, I don't think I want to understand the ins and outs of it. I don't think I do, but, um, yeah, it's all looking very mad. And this is why I pray that 
this spirit of 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 people, especially women, femmes, like rising in 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 success, and then choosing the most whatless guy, whatless guy, to now go and squander your success over. Wasn't Ether enough? Or, you know, um, that whole battle with Remy Ma, I would have calmed down after that. But, you know, I mean, this is the same person that chose Safari, that chose Meek Mill. So I'm not surprised in terms of choice of man. But I just feel like there comes a point where it's just like, you can't come and ruin your life overtaking paracetamol for your partner's headache. You really, really can't. And this is a big big headache to be taking paracetamol for because there's people are saying that there's a likelihood that she could go to jail as well like you've got a you've got a son you've got a child you want to risk everything over our dick literally over dick because i don't know what this guy could be doing with his very weirdly pursed lips what he could be doing for your life that is worth all of this palaver so people feel like she was creating all of that fuss because she wanted to bury the story that she'd been served on that very day but i was looking at the thing the document and it said that it the document was issued on the 13th but given or served on the 15th i could be wrong again i don't know but it's all just very mad. And I, and I keep stressing that two, more than two things, more than one thing can be true at any one time. The tweet was wayward. It was hilarious, but very, very wayward. And when you have a platform of over hundreds of millions of people following you, you have to be very fucking careful what you're saying. And I know that people have their views on the vaccine or all of that. And I honor and respect that you feel how you feel. I've got to do what I need to do. Um, and again, because of the reality of the industry that I'm in, I'm not going to be out here going, I took it straight away because I wanted to, no, no, no. Literally because of the industry I'm in, I have to have it to be able to travel, to be able to do work on set, to be able to do all of these things. I need to have it. So I got it and kept it moving. It's really that simple. There was nothing emotional or like sentimental about it for me. I just needed to do what I need to do so I can carry on doing my fucking job. Um, and I think she was alluding to the same thing that she's going to have to get it at some point if she's going to tour. But I don't think you need to share all of those musings with people who are still trying to figure out where they stand on things online which is why I've never, I don't think I've mentioned even about me being vaxxed or whatever. I don't think I've really even talked about it online because I just don't think that's the environment to be doing that. Um, and so everybody weighing in with their apprehensions and fears or their very, very massive convictions, like, no, I just didn't want to get involved in all of that palaver. And she shouldn't have either in that case. At the same time, the anti-blackness was very, very clear to me because you have a whole ass president that was talking about, oh, you know, you should basically pour a death hole into your blood stream to get rid of COVID like and people were giggling with him but they weren't coming with the same level of them there's just something very nasty like that was just under the surface of some of the things that people were doing like some people not everybody and I and I didn't like that and I just thought you would only run this shit with a white uh, with a black woman that is the only person that you would do this with and Pierce Morgan weighing in I'm just like you shut the fuck up as well like you were hacking dead be your your you were complicit in the hacking of dead a dead girl's phone. You should not be the one that's raising volume for anything. And why is he still able to keep talking? Why did something like that not take him out, like out of the industry done? Because he's a white man. He can make mistakes over and over and over and over again, and he will continue to fail upwards. But, and that gives him the energy to be able to chat to other people. Nah. I hate it. And Lauren Koonsberg, Laura Koonsberg, whatever your own name is, you stupid Jankro, you actual Jankro, you that was being fed information by Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson and all of the, all of their ilk. And you want to now come and open your mouth about, oh, you know, she's spreading this and spreading that. You were also spreading fake information too, baby. You were also. So 
stones, glass houses. Yeah, figure it out. Um. So yeah, so I just thought that that was a whole thing. But I just, again, I, I think that it speaks to kind of like the complexities that we experience as humans, where one aspect of something I might agree with in what you've done, but then everything else, I'm just like, well, that's a fucking mess. Um, And yeah, and I think it's good to kind of be balanced and share that. And I think that's my, you know, my Libra speaking. In other news of fuckery, anyway, Prince William, um, sorry, Prince William, haha, <laughs> Prince Philip has died. Well, we know that. Anyway, his will, that's why I said William, his will won't be shared publicly um, for 90 years in order to protect the dignity of the queen. The queen. The queen. To protect the dignity of the queen. Um, The will of Prince Philip will be sealed for 90 years to protect the dignity of the queen, says the UK's High Court. The prince earned about $500,000 a year as a member of the royal family and his net worth was estimated at around $30 million, including from private earnings. Interesting. Well, I um, invite you all to join me on my 125th birthday. Um, your invites, as long as you make your express your desire to be there, your invites will be sent out through hologram. Um, I would love for you all to join me on my 100 and, um, 125th birthday when the, the will is finally unsealed and we will finally spill the tea. By this point, I don't think we'll be drinking liquids. We will just be imagining them. Um, it might be, I don't know, some kind of, we'll just not be fucking with liquids by that time. Everything will be gas. Um, well, I invite you all to join me. Wear your cutest outfits for my 125th birthday, where I, by that point, might not even be in physical form. I will merely be um, some kind of AI sharing my consciousness of this time because everything has been logged through these um, podcasts and all of my other social media activity. So the jokes will still fucking fly. You better believe that. You better believe that the AI me is going to let it motherfucking rip when that thing, when that will is unsealed. Okay? Unseal the blood clot. Unseal it immediately. I, for one, am not waiting 90 years because there might be other wonderful things that I want to be doing on my 125th birthday. And it's not to be talking about this dusty, crusty um, dragon that's now gone. But um, yeah, I just think that that's wild. What do you think that we don't know? To be clear, the will is still going to be executed. Like they're still going to do the things in his will. They're going to be there. They either have been done or are being done but they won't share it with the public for 90 years because they know that it's going to leave the queen looking awfully in the light. What do you think we don't know that he's got other children? But we know, but we know his close friend, his close friend, quote unquote, that was allowed to be at the funeral, the private funeral that was allowed to be there. Basically his baby girl, his mistress, what he didn't have a child with her. No, I don't know. I don't know. Remember, I know nothing. I know absolutely nothing. I'm just here, just, just looking, just looking. I just didn't look. I just didn't look. I don't know. All right. But I just find it awfully interesting. Like, how many children do you have? Like, what are their ethnicities? Because I know that you like them a little bit spicy on your world tours. So, um, how many children do you have that you don't want to be able to claim the throne? Um, I mean, they can't claim it anyway, but you just don't want us to know about them. So then they gain more notoriety. Um, 
But I mean, this is this just speaks to the fact that I said that he's a dusty guy. I said it from early. He's a dusty guy. Because where are Lizzie's other children, her extra children? Nowhere. But you, you were flinging your royal penis around because, oh, my masculinity is being affected because I've married a queen. Oh, my masculinity. Uh, 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 I'm going to fucking nag your pussy. Uh, 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 I'm going to fucking nag your pussy. Or because your masculinity is being affected because you married a queen, but you could have left at any time. You did not need to do all of this. So anyway, in regards to him, continue to rest in piss. Um, uh, and then going to another wayward um, person, I read here that um, the, a Met police officer, but they love to say former Met police officer as if that changes anything. A Met police officer admits secretly filming naked women. A former Met police officer, count, um, former Met police counterterrorism officer, has admitted using spy cameras to secretly film naked models. Now, I need you to listen to when I read this whole thing because I need you to pr- pr- pick out the exact point where people are fucking mad. Yeah, I need you to pick out the exact point where it's clear that madness is rife. Here we go. Pretending to be a pilot, Detective Inspector Neil Corbell arranged fake photo shoots in hotel rooms, flats, and Airbnbs. Westminster Magistrates Court heard he hid devices in tissue boxes, phone chargers, an air freshener, and glasses to video his victims. He was caught after a woman became suspicious of a digital clock and found it was a spy camera. The 40-year-old from Hertfordshire pleaded guilty on Monday to 19 voyeurism offences. Police found images of some 51 women on Corbell's hard drive and were able to identify 19 victims willing to make statements against him. The offences, which were said to not be linked to his work as a police officer, took place across the um, across the London Manchester and Brighton areas between January 2017 and February 2020. He has been suspended by the Met. Now he has pleaded guilty. Misconduct proceedings will take place. Um, Prosecutor Babatunde Alabi um, said none of the women, apart from one, had agreed to be videoed. The one that had consented had said no intimate parts were to be filmed. She did not realise there were other hidden cameras in the room. He told the court the victims included escorts who had agreed to have sex with Corbell, but not to be filmed, while two of the models had a relationship with the officer. He set up the rooms well in advance with covert devices planted in strategic places, capturing the women while they were undressing before the shoot, said the prosecutor. Mr. Alabi said Corbell um, manoeuvred the models so that intimate parts of their bodies were filmed. He continued, at least two of the models actually expressed concerns about devices which they thought were recording. The court heard Corbell admitted in police interviews to surreptitiously using covert devices to film the women for his own sexual gratification. Chief Magistrate Paul Goldspring said Corbell went to quite extraordinary lengths to hide what he was doing and warned he faces a possible jail sentence. Defending Edward Henry QC, they're always getting QCs to defend these very violent white men, said reports from forensic psychologists and an addiction specialist have prepared, have been prepared as part of this mitigate, as part of his mitigation. Um, 
they said here also that um, one of uh, Marcus Bennett, who's what the superintendent says, I'm truly disappointed in the actions of the officer, which are not at all representative of the high values and standards we expect. And I'm saddened by the pain and hurt he has caused. Sentencing will take place on 4th of October. It takes place the day before my birthday. Ancestors, flog him. Please flog this guy. Flog him. Flog him well. Because what the fuck? I hope that the part that you also picked out there was um, his actions have nothing to do with his role as a police officer. Are you all fucking okay? Is everything okay? Is everything okay over there? How many days old is your rice? Because you're eating it and it's doing you in your tummy and thus doing you in your brain. Are you all fucking well? He's a counter-terrorism pussy clerk police officer. What do you mean? It has nothing to do with his job. The counter-terrorism that he's doing informs in how he goes about getting the right devices to be able to spy on women in this way. It is linked. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's this. He, they said that he, he started um, the filming or the footage that they found, and I'm sure he has way more than prior to 2017, right? Did he get a promotion around that time that allowed him to get access to more things or to allowed him to get more access to information that would allow for him to be able to do these things? And then for the superintendent to now come forward and be like, oh, well, you know, it's not representative of our values. Are you sure? Because Sarah Everard, now this guy as well, this Corbell guy, it sounds like your white male police officers are being very, very dangerous towards women. And being a police officer is allowing for them to be able to do this. So I think it's definitely representative of your values. And also to talk, not to talk about, um, not to even forget the police officers that went undercover um, within activist groups and ended up like having relationships with the women, um, having children with them. This has been an ongoing thing. This is this is perfectly representative of your organization. So stop lying that it's not. And you're lucky I didn't even put you in straw of the week because you deserve to really be there as well. Put a camera in the, in the straw and go suck out your mother, you dickhead. Anyway, um, I just wanted to share that. And my last piece of news on So You Mad, because it's a very long So You Mad. I just saw so many things that are mad and it's only going to get madder. It's only going to get even more mad as all this Mars is being activated over here. Pluto's doing what it's doing over there. Like everything's going to get wild at the end of this year. And I just don't even know what to make of it. I feel like for the most of us, we'll be protected. We'll be all right. But we aren't. We are still going to be privy to seeing the fuckery. The fuckery will not come near our households. That's all I pray. Amen. Um. But yeah, my last one for so you mad was um the fact that you can now link your Amazon account, your Amazon Prime account or whatever, to your delivery. And while and they said that if you do this, you get free delivery for a year. Like you get free deliveries for a year, not delivery. You get free delivery. So when you, because at the moment when you order through delivery, you have to pay a delivery charge, but that will be waived um, if you link your Amazon account to it. And people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. This sounds like a good time. I don't have to pay $4.99 or £2.49 to have my food delivered. Yeah, but you're giving all of your fucking data also to Amazon. Like, are we forgetting the kind of monster, the kind of absolute beast that Amazon is? And thus, um, Jeff Bezos or Bezos, whatever his name is. Bezos is Kiss, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, Jeff Bezos, like, we're forgetting the absolute, like, beast that this organ, like, this corporation 
is. And then delivery will now be absorbed into that. So not only are they seeing the things that you're buying through Amazon and being able to keep your track of you that way. And then also the things that you like to watch and you know me, I'm using my Amazon primer. I can talk up and down about all of this, but trust and believe I'm watching nine perfect strangers and I'm watching my things. Okay. And Solos was great as well. Um, And Modern Love. But look at my life. I'm just telling you all my watching habits or my screening habits. But the fact of the matter is that they'll have even more um, information now. Like what days do you usually order takeaway? What kind of takeaway do you order? Um, Which, you know, what area are you ordering it from? I mean, they would know that from your delivery address, but they'd really be able to hone in on a lot of information about your habits. And then the targeted adverts will be absolutely mad. Like they're just living in your brain. They'll be like, oh, you should on the Wednesday, um, they like to order rah, 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 rah. So drop this advert that they would be able to get even more money because they'd be able to tell these um, companies that want to advertise to you exactly the kind of way that you should be targeted through them. Right. And so they'll be able to charge a lot for that. So Jeff gets richer and richer. Meanwhile, the employees at Amazon aren't really getting paid fairly. Like that continues. But, you know, meanwhile, data, 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 data. Data is the, that's the currency. And, you know, I was talking to you about this kind of technocracy that's um, forming and sounding like a wild conspiracy theorist, but the data that we have as human beings, like our habits and, and how our habits can be measured and quantified and then qualified, that is what's most useful to corporations going forward because then they are able to really know what's going to sell to us and how well it's going to sell to us and for how long. And that's rather scary. So something as simple as like, yeah, you don't have to pay for your deliveries if you order through delivery and link your Amazon account. Sounds innocent enough, but to me, it all feels rather sinister. Um, But yeah, just felt that I'd share that. But anyway, let's go straight into then, so no, straw of the week, aka suck your mum. So you look at me getting my life together. So we've got two voice notes that I've managed to kind of get together for this week. Um, And this one is for the first submission to Straw of the Week, aka Suck Your Mum. I've already read one. Oh, I've played one voice note, but this is our second voice note for this week. Enjoy. Hi, Kalechi. My name is Fee and I've been listening to your podcast for nearly two years now and I would like to thank you wholeheartedly for the way that you break down all of the shaggery that goes on in in this wicked and wild world. Uh, I have a recommendation for Straw of the Week. Um, I will try not to go over two minutes because I know that I could possibly do that with the way that I'm raging about this at this moment in time. So I'm also a mother of two young men on on the autistic spectrum. So you can imagine my vexation at seeing the video of some police officer, PC Pussy Clark Christopher Cruz, <coughs> actually assaulting a young student in school who had done no crime, who was under no arrest or anything, according to the video. He actually threatened to kick the child, and when the child tried to scuttle away, I, I don't even like to use the word scuttle, he tried to get away from him, and he was on his he was on his hands and knees, trying to get away from this police officer. The police officer went and grabbed the child and dragged him on the floor across the hallway to another room. Meanwhile, there was two members of staff just watching. What happened to the duty of care of students? As far as I'm concerned, the lot of them need to have straws flung from every direction. And these straws need to be made of stainless steel too. Mm-hmm. Fling couples 
fling a whole heap of straws, a truckload of straws at this police officer. He should never, he should never have been just given a fine. He should never have been allowed to retire. If that was my child, it may well have been a different type of retirement he would have been facing. Why? But hey, the man was allowed to retire. Meanwhile, this poor student has to deal with the trauma of that one incident on top of all the other traumas that they have to face being on the spectrum as it is. Straws, straws are also going out to those two members of staff who just stood there and watched and didn't do anything. I don't care how quickly it happened. As far, actually, I think the, I think the video was actually spun fast, actually, but I don't care how quickly it happened. It happened in front of you. I'm pretty sure if it was their child, they would have moved. And last but not least, straws to the legal system that allowed him to get away with, this, with, with the effery. Fire on all of them. Thank you, Fee. Thank you. I totally agree with you. How is it that three times in one episode, police officers have moved mad? But you'll now turn and be like, oh, but not all of us. Well, if it's not all of you, some of you need to get the fuck out. Like you need to get out so all of this can crumble because this is not representative, therefore, of you. Like you can't, oh, well, what are we going to do without police? A lot fucking better. A lot fucking better. Every country that has had police introduced to them as a result of white supremacy and imperialism is struggling. The police are not helping. They're not helping. You as an individual, you might be fine. You might be great, but you're within a system that will corrupt you because the, the system was never there to protect and serve people. It was there to protect and serve power. Woo, Kalechi, that is a word. Oh God, that is a word. But anyway, it's true. And I think that actually, in you know, in, in, in honor of Fee's brilliant straw flinging, this um, episode will be called a wicked and wild world. Wicked and wild world. WW dot. Yeah, that's what it is. Every all this time we thought WW dot was World Wide Web. It's wicked and wild world. Wicked and wild. Yes. Um. Thank you, Fee, because I saw that, and actually, I had a meeting with some people last week, and we were talking about the fact that autism is something that people do really need to be educated on because, you, especially when we're talking about um children who are non-white as well, especially, um, because it, people read it wrong. They read it wrong and they read it as disruptive. They read it as unfeeling. So they are subjected to wild abuse and violence. Um, and that's with all, I feel like with a lot of autistic children, regardless of race, in, you know, in the first instance, but when you now add race to it, class to it, no, it's a madness. It's a madness and people just need to do the fuck better. So we do need to have things in place that address this. And having police officers in school, I just don't even know what to make of that anyway. Um, so thank you, Fee, for that. Um, and then my next one was um, Kemi Straggly Braids. Kemi Straggly Braids, a.k.a. Kemi Badenoch. I find her name rather odd. Um, so it has been uh, Vice, I think it was Vice, um, got an exclusive story that, um, yeah, the UK Equalities Minister goes on an anti-LGBTQ rant in a leaked audio. So Kemi Badenoch mocked LGBTQ rights, questioned same-sex marriage and calls trans women, quote-unquote men, in an audio recording obtained by Vice World News. And this is what I want. And I told you that the curtain is going to be pulled back on a lot of these people, a lot of people in authority. Um, and it needs to be done because you see that. Uh, I mean, what did we really expect of a conservative 
party minister of the qualities. Of course, they weren't going to be fucking equal. They weren't going to practice any sort of equality whatsoever. They're nasty. They're nasty through and through. But she played herself. And this is what you get, Kemi. Kemi, this is what you get. When you want to move like an Oloshi, life will show you that to be the Oloshi that you are. It says here, um, the UK's Equalities Minister mocked LGBTQ rights, questioned same-sex marriage. Um, Kemi Badenoch, um, I used to call her Badencock, but I'm going to call her Babblycock. Like, you know, like a cock that's just leaking. That's what she reminds me of. Anyway, uh, Kemi, considered a rising star in the ruling Conservative Party, made the comments in her parliamentary office in 2018, a year after being elected as an MP and a year before she was first appointed a minister by Prime Minister Boris Johnson. It's no longer about minority rights in terms of race anymore or nationality, Badenoch says in the recording. It's now, you know, like, it's not even about sexuality now. It's like the whole transgender movement where, okay, well, we've got gay marriage and civil partnerships. So what are transsexuals looking for? The phrase transsexual, like transvestite and transgenderism, is often considered outdated and offensive by many trans people. Even when, you know, so people hear about, you know, like the whole bathroom thing, Badenoch continues, it's actually more of an American thing, but they have a similar problem that right now, so it's just about being free to marry who you want. You know, you now want to have men using women's bathrooms. Labour called the comments disgusting and questioned whether Badenoch should be in her post. Stonewall absolutely clarted her. Misgendering trans women may go against UK equality laws. An employment tribunal ruling in 2019 concluded that calling a trans woman a man is likely to be profoundly distressing. It may be unlawful harassment. An employment tribunal in 2021, um, an employment tribunal appeal in 2021 backed this up, ruling the claimant cannot go about indiscriminately and misgendering trans persons with impunity. In the recording, the minister also appears to mock gay marriage and the Marriage Same-Sex Couples Act 2013, which has spearheaded, which was spearheaded by several of her predecessors as Equalities Minister. Um, a UK government spokesperson said the Minister for Equalities is working hard to deliver for LGBT people, whether this that is modernising the process of applying for a gender recognition certificate, driving forward LGBT rights in the workplace or banning conversion therapy. This 2018 comment has been taken out of context with the Minister making a clear point about striking the balance for equality and fairness when there are multiple and often competing demands between different groups. It should not be used to misrepresent her views. Badenoch has been Minister for Equality since February 2020. Uh, the UK government website lists her role as having an overall responsibility for policy on sexual orientation and transgender equality and addressing the discrimination and inequalities that LGBT people face. She's also currently tasked with putting together the UK's first ever global LGBTQ conference, which will celebrate kindness, kindness, tolerance and openness while aiming to provide and uh, while aiming to improve LGBTQ equality around the world. Angela Rayner, WC leader of the Labour Party, called Badenoch's um, 2018 comment disgusting. Everyone should be able to be themselves and be celebrated, supported and loved for who they are. Um, the Equalities Minister should not be in her post if she does not believe that. With hate crimes and transphobia on the rise, we need an Equalities Minister who will stand up for trans people, not add fuel to the fire of abuse and discrimination faced by LGBTQ plus people in our country. Um, 
yeah, I mean, woo. Woo, woo, woo. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Like, for anybody that can make the kind of statements that she makes as a black woman, generally, I'm not shocked that that those comments that were released about her are transphobic. Notice how I phrased that there, because you're not going to come for me, you little pomplex. Um, the comments that were um, leaked um, with her voice sound extremely transphobic, sound very, very homophobic, just sound not very, um, not very representative of somebody that should be equalities minister, albeit for the Tories. I think that people who make those kind of statements should not be in their roles. They should not be in their roles and they should definitely have a straw to suck their mothers dry because they do not want a world where everybody can live as they truly are, fully are, and and enjoy the kind of peace and that comes with that. So you, Kemi Babalycock, a straw for your head top, a straw for your mother and for you. That's all I can say in that situation. And um, going further than that to the government as a whole, I want the government to take another straw um, for the treatment of Shamima Begum. You motherfuckers insist on wheeling this girl out on TV all of the time. She's telling you that she's changed. She even, she's dyed her hair a little piece. She was wearing a Nike cap the last time I saw her on Good Morning Britain. And what's her name? Susanna Reid or whatever that was talking to her. You should have gone with um, um, Piers Morgan. You really should have because you're nasty. You're nasty. You're bright and you're facey. You're rude. Don't like you. Um... Asking her questions like, are you a terrorist? And like, how are you helping this girl? Where is the duty of care for Shamima Begum? Where is the duty of care for the girl? She was groomed. She was clearly, clearly groomed. You will not allow her back in the country because you say that her citizenship is gone. She's now, she she will remain stateless. But just the other day, we were reading about a quote unquote Nazi sympathizer. Just call him a Nazi because that's what he is. Um, this nasty boy, 20, he started, They you found um uh, that you, you heard about him from the age of 18, that he was looking into all of this far-right fascist bullshit. Um, and, uh, you know, he 21 years old, 22 year old, whatever the fuck, you've now sentenced him to um, a suspended sentence, a, a suspended two-year prison sentence, but said that for his crimes, he should read Jane Austen and Shakespeare um, to help him as if, and what, how is that going to help him? I don't get it. But he gets given literature to read for his crimes. But you're telling Shamima that she can't come back in the country when she was groomed at the age of 15. He's been doing this as a grown man. He's a grown man at this point and he's allowed to do this. And you just said, go and read some books and that will be enough. So it's clear that if you're saying that everybody's moving mad and it's a case of national security, then he, why, why does he still have his passport then? Why is he still a British citizen? Because Shamima didn't actually do anything. Like she didn't physically, she made some wild, horrible, fucking disgusting statements, right? So did this white boy. But he gets given literature to read and Shamima Begum's not allowed back in the country. And there are some of you black and brown people that are proper key keen about it. And I'm telling you, you to yourself, you don't know how close you are also to having the same treatment. You don't even realise so behave yourselves. And yeah, the government can suck out on that end and turn the straw around and suck their mother out again, because now I'm hearing that if you're vaccinated in certain from, um, if you received your vaccination from certain countries, the UK government will not recognise it as legitimate and you'll still have to quarantine for um, 10 days, I think they said. So if you are um, vaccinated anywhere on the continent of Africa, 
or South America or countries including the UAE, India, Turkey, Jordan, Thailand, Russia, you are considered unvaccinated and must follow unvaccinated rules equaling 10 days home quarantine and tests. Um, so yeah, a lot of countries aren't happy with the UK at the moment. Um, and I just think it's ridiculous. Like everybody's getting the same fucking vaccine. In fact, what didn't you, the UK send vaccines to some of these countries when they were having a shortage, you sent them vaccines from your own, from your own stock. So how are you now saying that those vaccines don't count because of the countries like this is neocolonialism. This is the medical apartheid that people are talking about. The fact that you're using your racism to fuel things that make no fucking sense medically, scientifically, just makes no fucking sense. But you're doing it from a place of xenophobia. You're doing it from a place of white supremacist ideology. The fact that Russia's in there, like you lot are really looking for Putin's trouble. And I need him to know that I'm not involved. I was not consulted about any of this fuckery. So if he wants to move mad with any of you, I want to be left all the way out of it. Okay. But I just think it's disgusting how something as straightforward as even a vaccine, you're now turning into um, a way of showing your white supremacist dominance, I guess is what one could call it. But so much is happening in the world of politics. I don't even know anymore. But turn the straw around, go suck your mothers again, suck your mothers till you pass out, you fucking dickheads. Um... And that's that. That's that really for this week's episode. There's no start your motors um, this week, obviously, because talking of Russia, um, the Grand Prix, we've got the Russian Grand Prix next week. So I'll be filling everybody in from then. And maybe Max Verstappen won't try to park his car on um, somebody's head, um, you know, on Lewis Hamilton's head. And even how he went about dealing with that, he just kind of got on with it while everyone was shouting at um, Verstappen. But while I understand it, like you've just got to keep moving, keep your peace, enjoy the Met Gala. I think that they now see it as like, well, see, it wasn't a big deal, right? He's fine. So why are you all making a big deal out of it? Because he could have died. That's why we're making a big deal out of it. So even if Lewis doesn't want to make a big deal out of it himself, we will on his behalf because the racism is really racisming and we're not going to pretend to not see it. Ah, anyway, that's that for this week's episode of SYM. I have been Kalechi Okafor. This has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What. That's right, suck your mom. Remember to send your voice notes and your letters to sym at kalechiokafor.com. You can follow me on at kalechiokaf or at Say Your Mind Pod. Um, you can join us on Patreon on patreon.com forward slash Kalechi And I think that might be it. Yeah, I think that's it. Catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are gonna sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you fine, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.